I'm Jody Crumpy, director of the Erie City Mission Thrift Stores and Donation Center. When you shop at one of our two thrift stores or drop off items at our donation center, you are providing a meal. You are housing a man in our shelter, helping men and women overcome addiction, and giving our inner city youth an opportunity to learn. I want to thank you for making a difference. This is our city, our mission. God bless you. All year round, Frontier Home Products and Design has what you need to make your home comfortable and beautiful. Relax on a new timber tech deck designed by Frontier's experts. A new fireplace from Frontier Home Products Fireplace Gallery adds warmth and serenity to any home. Beauty and versatility at Frontier Home Products and Design Center, 4213 Peachtree, 5th next to the Bayfront Highway. Frontier Home Products and Design Center. Discover a new PA contractor number PA039007. Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. We want to welcome to our microphones here, Kim Thomas. She's the director of Infinite Erie. Kim, welcome back to the show. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Joel. All righty. So um, let's get right to it on this sunny day here. Last week, you wrote an op-ed in the Erie Times News, and you were pointing out that Erie was winning. Yes. So talk about that. What metric are you using? How are we winning? Yeah, well, I think momentum for one, uh, and I think organization, too. Um, so Erie is really uh, coming together, organizing itself, identifying these transformational investment opportunities, and they're moving to implement those strategies. And I think doing that tough work in and of itself sets us on that winning trajectory. And in, in that regard, I say we're winning. Uh, the... Uh, I, I, I'm kind of trying to capture, you know, w how we're going to measure success mm -hmm. here, right? Sure. And in, eerie, in nearly every conversation that I have here on the show, the ultimate metric that officials are telling me and thought leaders, they're pointing to a reversal of population loss in Erie County. And uh, because if we don't have population, we can't have a workforce. Right. And really, it's it's that human resources that's the that's the thing. So before we go into the depth of the investment playbook, uh, where can we see that uh, in your in your plans that that sixty year uh, decline of population would be reversed by these investments? Yeah. So I think it is. It's comprehensive, right? It's all of these investments coupled together with one another. It's the equity building. It's the real estate development. It's programmatic in nature. It's being more inclusive in our strategies moving forward. So I think when you talk about community and economic development, you're not going to have the workforce if the population doesn't grow. You're not going to have the population if we don't have that quality of life that residents are looking to live. And that hits on education. It hits on amenities. It hits on you know recreational opportunities and experience. Experiences. So comprehensively, this uh, these 35 transformational investment strategies that are identified in the playbook ultimately should lead to that uh, inclusive growth around quality of life and ultimately should reverse that, that declining trajectory. Yeah, so basically uh, we could get quality and then get the quantity, Absolutely, it like. absolutely. Yeah. That's what you have to have, that quality. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about uh, the equity building strategies, and there are so many different ways to go about it. Um, 
But if you don't do it comprehensively, you're not going to have the impact that you're really looking for. Okay. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, also, in the op-ed, yeah. you came out strongly for Mill Creek Township's Gateway Project. And, you know, there's a lot of citizen pushback, sure. on, on, especially on the price tag of the five properties. Explain your support. And I think one of the things that's lost in this conversation is the amount of RACP money that is involved with this. Sure, absolutely. So we saw what a and I'm not going to remember the exact number, and I apologize, lots of projects, sure. uh, what, 3 to $5 million in RCAP that was invested in um, the Presque Isle Gateway project. That in and of itself, seeing that investment from the state early on is significant. Now we have to leverage those dollars, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, all of these transformational projects require that complex capital stack. It's going to take public sector resources, private sector resources. It's going to take some taxpayer dollars. That's hard work. When you have a corridor that is um, as traveled as uh, that Presque Isle Gateway corridor by residents and visitors, tourists alike, um, and you have it in what could be you know, perceived in, as in a declining fashion as opposed to a growing fashion, you have to do something to reverse that, right? And it takes the significant resources. Look at what it's taking uh, investment-wise to do the 12th Street Corridor around mm-hmm. that EMI project. I mean, when you talk about cleanup, blight elimination, remediation, um, you know, rehab, it's expensive. And ultimately, you know, you rarely see the private sector willing to come in and invest those types of resources on the front end to get those properties to where they need to be. Um, so that's why I'm so, you know, sort of bullish on what Mill Creek's doing. Was the price tag high? Yes, it's high. Um, they, But I will say that, in my opinion, they've done their public due diligence. Um, they have had a couple of years, at least, leading up to uh, this property acquisition where they put together um, the, the Mill Creek plan, the strategic plan, the strategic plan for the West 8th Street corridor. It aligns with what the city's doing on 8th Street. Um, so there are a lot of different components, but it's going to cost money. And again, we want it to be you know, to be able to attract that quality of life. So when you have tourists coming to Erie, yeah. spending their resources, you want them to return. You want them to tell their friends and their family and, and residents alike. They want to live in a community where they can can walk to the shops at the Colony Plaza or the West Erie Plaza, um, where they can bike and just enjoy everything that Erie has to offer. Kind of that place-making that exactly seems to be a thing. Yep. Uh, I, do you think that uh, – put your political hat for, on for a second. Do you feel like the the RCAP money has been lost because there's been a lot of talk about um, the water authority sale money sure. being involved? It's a $7 million price tag. If half of it is being supported by the state, then maybe it's not as much of a drain on that uh, that escrow, if you will, for the water authority, is that accurate? You yeah, think? I think I think you're spot on. And so to realize that 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 project is is so transformational that it was able to receive and secure that significant investment from the state again, which is not easy to do. Yeah, talk, by I any mean, you, you used to be yeah. the point person for yeah. this area for the Department of Community and Economic Development. That those dollars are hard to come by. They're extremely hard to come by. So I would say in any given round of RACP RCAP funding. Um, you know, you're probably seeing, what, a handful of projects that are receiving that. And, I mean, we're talking about competing with communities throughout the Commonwealth, right, yeah. uh, for millions of dollars. And that's just 
certainly the state recognizes that Presque Isle State Park and the visitation that that park sees year in and year out and the importance of building up the infrastructure and the community, that placemaking, to your point, around that attraction is, is important. So, yeah, that's it's critical money. And now we have to leverage that to different areas. So leveraging the local dollars now, and then perhaps there can be some federal dollars that come into play there. So just leveraging the different types of resources. But it takes a lot of those to, to get a project done. Oh, we announced, uh, or you announced the Erie's Inclusive Playbook about six months ago or so. Can you talk about what's been happening in these last six months? I noticed that we've rebranded it as Infinite Erie. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so Infinite Erie, we talk about uh, this investment playbook as an ever-evolving playbook. So uh, the cross-sector leadership that sits at the table um, for Infinite Erie, uh, we sat through an incredible uh, strategic branding session with Parker Phillips, and um, they really got us thinking about, you know, what, what is the goal? What are the goals? What is the mission? Um, you know, we are set out to coordinate inclusive growth strategies and to secure more resources than regions our size, than like-size regions. Um, so, you know, just a seeing that there are infinite possibilities, there's infinite opportunity, infinite inclusion. We just kept saying, you know, we this should exist in perpetuity, you know, to infinity. Uh, and that's how we came up with Infinite Erie, and we really think that it works well. And um, so, yeah, over the past six months, we've been doing a couple of, well, we've been doing a lot of things, but, but uh, sort of simultaneously really um, taking a look at the projects out of the 35 that are really investment ready, that we see that they're, they're, they've already seen some significant investment like the Presque Isle Gateway Corridor, like the EMI project, and some others, and working to identify additional investment opportunities that, that those entities could apply for, whether that be at the state level, the federal level, um, philanthropic level. And then beside that, um, the rest of the, many of the 35 transformational investment strategies are still very exploratory in nature. They still need a lot of research around them. They still need to go through the project development process. So what we've done is we have created um, a number, I'd say probably at this point six or seven, what we call delivery teams. And those delivery teams are the practitioners. They're the practitioners who are coming to the table and saying, these are our shared goals. These are the challenges that regardless of, of what part of Erie County we work in that we're all facing, how can we collectively, collaboratively identify a strategy or strategies to help us ensure that we're achieving our goals to help us overcome these challenges. So that's where the work is really, really happening when we talk about that inclusive growth, is having those boots on the ground practitioners sitting together around a table and saying, these are our challenges. We think this is a solution to help us overcome those challenges. And then from there, that should bubble into a project, right? So so then we have the Erie Action Team, which is the leadership team of Infinite Erie. That's where we have the cross-sector leadership um, public sector, private sector, philanthropic sector, um, that's really bringing that influence and they're bringing the resources to the table to empower the inclusive work that the delivery teams are doing. So those are the two areas that we've been focusing on, the investment-ready projects, trying to identify other opportunities for them to get sort of that last-mile funding to implement their projects. And then on the other side of the coin is to bring together uh, this diverse set of practitioners to say, okay, how can we help identify the best path forward for the various constituencies that we serve in each of our communities and hopefully uh, take that through a project development process. When we talk about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, a lot of the conversation is, you know, you know, being invited to the table and listening to those that are in the table. So between the action teams and these uh, delivery teams, do you feel like we have 
strong diversity uh, represented there. I feel like we're getting there. I feel okay. like we are being very intentional and in ensuring that we get there. Yeah, uh, one of the one yeah. of the the strikes against Erie is it's always the same people at all the same places. Sure, we're working past that. I would think that's exactly what we're what we're making an effort to do. Um, I think we certainly recognize that it can't be this a closed network of leadership. It mm. has to be the people who are working day in and day out in these neighborhoods and in this community, and they're working with the residents in the neighborhoods and they're hearing their thoughts and their needs and their challenges, and they're creating strategic plans within their own organizations and saying these. These are the priorities that have risen out of, you know, our public engagement sessions, our strategic planning sessions. So they're bringing those residents' voices to the table with them, uh, again, to hopefully collectively identify um, a path forward for growth. Kim, what's, what's amazing to me is the amount of money that's out there. Uh, we're talking, I think, uh, the conservative estimate is $1.1 billion dollars. And it's it's from all of these different capital streams, right? Yes. yes. So that $1.1 billion is really what, um, when uh, urban expert Bruce Katz created this investment playbook uh, for Erie, uh, that's the total project cost he thinks it's going to take to implement all 35 of these potential strategies. When we talk about all the money that's out there, you're talking mul multiples of trillions of dollars right. that's out there. But, yeah. but what could be accessible yes. to us could be in excess of a billion dollars. That's the hope, absolutely. I mean, oh it's gonna, yeah, it's going to have to be at, at all sectors, public sector, private sector, philanthropic. Uh, it's got to come from, from within and from, from outside. Let's talk about how you have this divided up. You have cross-cutting investment strategies and place-based investment strategies. Can you explain what that all means? Yes. So the cross-cutting strategies, um, we have three buckets. We have uh, infrastructure, so you're really focused on broadband, specifically broadband for all, identifying opportunities uh, to access all of the competitive uh, and non-competitive broadband funding that's going to be coming down the pike. Uh, you have entrepreneurship, uh, so specifically with an eye toward inclusive entrepreneurship. Again, this is all, when you look at the 35 projects that are there, they're not all uh, development projects. A lot of them are programmatic and intended to build equity uh, amongst our residents, so ensuring that we boost the resources that are available for minority populations to uh, to move forward in their uh, entrepreneurial endeavors. Uh, and then we also have um, the uh, the clusters, so building the industry clusters, specifically around uh, plastics manufacturing, plastics recycling, uh, also with fiber and broadband around the work that they're doing uh, in the city of Cory with Cory Catch. Um, and the work that they're, so you've got Project Resolve uh, out of Penn State Barron creating the Center for uh, Manufacturing Competitiveness. You have Project Neptune and all of the various components at Gannon University uh, looking toward uh, water sustainability and trying to uh, help ensure that we have a process for plastics recycling and, and, and sustaining our water resources uh, into the future. So those are the three cross-cutting measures, and they're cross-cutting because we see them as impacting populations throughout Erie County, right? throughout the entire footprint um, in terms of job creation, uh, resource sustainability, um, infrastructure availability. So those are cross-cutting because they reach throughout Erie County. And then, to your point, we have those place-based strategies. And most of those, uh, you will notice, are, are heavily directed toward uh, the downtown, where there's been a lot of investment and momentum happening, the core neighborhoods surrounding the downtown and also to the south. Um, but we also have um, been working really uh, 
intentionally with the communities outside of the city, uh, especially the more rural communities. So um, working with, um, we've created, I talked about the delivery teams, we've created a rural revitalization delivery team. Mm -hmm. Um, So working with um, Northeast and Cory and Union City and Edinburgh and communities that we feel have uh, a lot of similar challenges, similar synergies, and similar priority projects that we're hopeful that um, we can help them collectively leverage the resources they've been able to secure uh, and hopefully that they can move their their main street efforts forward or their blight remediation efforts uh, forward. So, uh, yeah, those place-based strategies, um, we're looking at downtown, again, continuing the momentum of what's been happening downtown. You have uh, the West 12th Street Corridor and, and extending the work of what's happening there currently with the EMI project. Uh, you have the Bayfront and everything that's been happening along the Bayfront, um, both uh, east and west sides of the Bayfront. And then we have our neighborhoods, and again, building that equity within those neighborhoods neighborhoods transforming. So you have projects like, um, you know, maybe the next phase of uh, ECAT or uh, Savakio Park and everything that's happening there, Um, the Burton School Project. So you have that whole Buffalo Street corridor where Mm. you're looking at Savakio Park, Roger Young Park, Burton School in the in the growth that can really be impacted in that part. So those more place-based strategies are are just that, um, and just because you know it may it may see at surf may seem like at the surface that it's very downtown centric, which it is. The city, uh, you know, the city builds a lot of uh, what we see throughout the county. So it's very important that the investment continues within the city, um, but also working very diligently with communities uh, throughout the Erie area. Um, to ensure that they are able to to learn from some of the groups and some of the um, projects that are happening uh, within the city proper and can take those uh, and scale them to size for their own efforts. When I talked to Dr. Katz in the summer, um, uh, we talked a lot about low-hanging fruit, that, you know, these are these are projects that are out there. They've been they've been enacted by Congress. There's also uh, things that are that are either coming from the governor or coming from the legislature. Uh, have you aligned some of these projects to be kind of um, to the to the description of these major, you know, infrastructure bills and so on? Because if you think about it, we have a, a long history. Mm-hmm. I mean, GCAC is basically uh, was formed based on, you know, the the Great Society, you exactly. know, of of the mid 60s. And, and, and our community centers came from that heritage as well. And so, um, I mean, are we. Have we aligned these projects so that they fit what the the government is looking uh, to invest in? Yes, that's exactly what we're trying to do. So I would say... the investment playbook was originally created with that in mind to meet this moment, to meet this opportunity, to say, here are the types of resources that the federal government's going to be putting out. Here are the priorities of state and federal government. That's why we see these 35 as being, you know, transformational investment opportunities at this time. And now you have, you know, at the federal level, you have um, the Biden administration's Justice 40 initiative, which ensures that 40 percent of many, many, many of these resources we're talking billions of dollars, that 40% are going into these Justice 40 communities, which are, uh, you know, critically underinvested, underserved, uh, disadvantaged communities. So certainly taking a look at um, where that footprint overlaps with projects that we have in the investment playbook. 
Um, we also have access to resources that the that not the entire nation has access to. So the Appalachian Regional Commission uh, in that footprint. Um, Erie County falls into the ARC footprint. Uh, and again, that is access to competitive resources where that pool of competitors is much smaller than it might be at the national level. Um, so we, that's exactly what we're doing. So whether it's the Justice 40 initiative, looking at the Opportunity Zone designations and the reasons that Opportunity Zones were created, again, to spur investment in these disinvested communities, um, that's, that's exactly where the state government wants to align its resources. It's where the federal government wants to send its resources. So it would be, be foolish not to align with that, right? And I think you're going to see that probably well into the future. That is the way that, that funding is going to go from here on out. Are there buckets already assigned to Erie County, let's say from the the infrastructure bill or something like that, or um, or, or are we still in a competitive phase? I'd with say some of this we're stuff? still in a competitive phase. Okay. So there are no necessary, you know, not necessarily any buckets where we've had, um, you know, elected officials or you know how like ARP saying, right, was. Exactly. ARP was we just kind of yes. the, the, the the manna came from heaven, you right. know. Yes, which was incredible. And now <laughs> right. we've, now we've got to figure out, you know, what's going to happen post ARPA, right? Okay. Um. So, but no, so no no buckets per se. Uh, but we think by having these shared goals, this common agenda amongst this cross-sector leadership, um, and having this pipeline, this tangible pipeline of investable projects, I think tells a great story and shows that, listen, we, we can tell you exactly where what projects um, are going to impact the communities you're trying to impact with your dollars and show you exactly where you can spend them. One of the things that really jumped out at me is the broadband thing. You mentioned sure. it earlier. Uh, to me, it may be, uh, you know, along with population, it may be our number one priority in my brain. Um, but when I look at it in here, it's it's one of several initiatives, and there's not a price tag. Mm -hmm. What? How do you approach all that? Yeah, so I don't think we know a price tag yet. I mean, I think okay. we know it's going to be pretty significant, but I think there's a lot. I know that there's a lot of work underway as we speak um, that the Erie Area Council of Governments is doing, along with the County Department of Planning, um, you know, working with the County Gaming Revenue Authority, and then the work that they're doing in Cory, the Northwest Commission is doing work, you know, our, some of our providers have like Velocity Network have a, a serious eye toward all of this. Yeah. So there's a lot of work underway. So now uh, what we're doing or what we're trying to do is to coordinate those efforts and ensure that we have the information that we need. So the study that's being done by the Erie Area Council of Governments, the COG, um, is really doing a deep dive into um, the access to broadband. So really looking at with working with the various municipalities throughout Erie County and saying, okay, here are the maps that the FCC put out. Right, which says uh, yeah. everybody's got exactly. broadband, you're all great. Yeah, except yeah, move on. You don't need any money here, right? <laughs> yeah, nothing which to is, see here. couldn't be further from the truth, <laughs> right. right? So yeah. really making sure that um, the county has the, the information that it needs to challenge those maps, right? Uh, and also to just ensure that we have the correct information. So when we go, a lot of these dollars are going to be competitive in nature. And even if they're not competitive, they're going to be driven by what the data says. So if we don't have the accurate data, then we could seriously be 
losing out on significant resources. So where are the underserved areas? Where are mm-hmm. the completely unserved areas? Uh, and making sure that we have that data because we know that it is a priority of Governor Shapiro's administration. It's a priority at the federal government level. Um, it's, it's you know, broadband is the new, you know, and, and, and the high-speed broadband, not just I was going to say, it, right? what, what, what are we – what are we calling broadband? Because I actually did one of those chat AI deals sure. on this. And, uh, you know, I was finding that places like Chattanooga. Oh, they're so far ahead of the game. Yes. Yeah. It's that interesting. Yes. Well, Chattanooga's done an incredible job. And I think Erie has even made trips to Chattanooga in the past around innovation and some of the great things that they've done there. Uh, but, yes. Yeah, so, um, so you know, maybe we, we have a little catching up to do. But I think okay. – um, you know, but they're going for gigabit connections, many of these folks. Correct. And I can't, some up to yeah. 10 gigs, right? I sure. Mean, yeah. I can't speak very intelligently right. once we start getting into those numbers. But uh, but yeah, just it's not a, it's not enough to just say you have access. But in order to ensure that you have enough access to be successful in the work that you're doing, whether that be, you know, a student who's trying to educate, uh, whether you be uh, in the private sector or public sector Mm or just a a working individual uh, who may need to work remotely, uh, regardless of what the needs are, um, it's really like the new electricity, right? You almost have to have it. And, you know, of course, we're, you know, I'm a history buff. So we we were the beginning of the rural electric co-op you know up here in northwestern pa yeah. so we've always been about connection and of course the the oil industry and so sure. on um we're about been about infrastructure i noticed um you know uh, about uh that a lot of these i shouldn't say a lot but there are significant numbers of things that seem to be kind of aspirational yes. versus maybe meeting current felt needs can you talk a little bit about that are you trying to kind of grow some aspects that aren't there right now i I know that sounds esoteric but uh, i mean like for example when we talk about coaching for minority based businesses Mm -hmm. is that a felt need like is there a lot of minority based businesses that are, are looking for that extra step of coaching or are we trying to really kind of incubate these businesses and get people thinking about starting businesses. Yeah, so I think all of the above. And I think that so all of these projects were informed again by those, you know, 50 or so interviews uh, that were that were done by um, new localism associates, as well as the review of the strategic plans that we've adopted over the years. So I think, you know, that must have been um, a, a conversation that was had or multiple conversations that said this is where our entrepreneurial ecosystem is lacking. So we have a delivery team. That has uh, that is working around inclusive entrepreneurship. It's being co-led by the Erie Regional Chamber and Growth Partnership, as well as Erie's Black Wall Street, and really putting pen to paper and saying, "This is what our existing entrepreneurial ecosystem is. Are there any gaps?" And what resources is it going to require in order to boost the capacity of that ecosystem to ensure that we are providing more opportunity for um, minority entrepreneurs? Uh, One of the things, I mean, we have the coaching that seems to be ready. We're looking for additional planning for capital and supply chain diversification. And so these are the kinds of things that you look at when you're saying, okay, how do we boost entrepreneurship for, especially for minority-owned businesses? Yes, we can coach and, and, and maybe cultivate, but we're going to figure out where the capital comes exactly. from. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. So, and that's, and that's the thing, identifying where, uh, from a capacity standpoint, I think we certainly have 
uh, incredible services throughout our footprint, throughout this region, uh, to assist entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in a number of different organizations and entities that are bringing those together. So you have the Beehive Network. You have all of these uh, organizations that are working in that entrepreneurial space. Uh, you have Paramount Pursuits, which has been uh, doing a phenomenal job in helping uh, its cohorts uh, throughout the community. So what are some of those best practices or what are some of those gaps? Where do we need to, if, if there were resources available, what would it take to increase the capacity of the work that those organizations are doing? So if they're helping 10 entrepreneurs a year at X amount of dollars, what's and they're, and they're seeing success, what if they were helping 30 entrepreneurs a year? What's that going to take uh, so we can, can see that, that boost in those efforts? Uh, jumping to infrastructure, you, we've talked about the broadband. There's also streetscaping and accessibility. Mm-hmm. Bike lanes, there's another <laughs> hot topic. We did a whole show just on hot topics, and that was certainly one of them. Um, we, you know, we have the active, uh, the active uh, Erie plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, I've always felt that this, this should be a much, a much more bikeable town than it is. But, boy, it, you know, we need smart thinking behind some of these plans. And sometimes uh, it, it just there, there lacks communication, especially because COVID really blew up a lot of that yeah. communication, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say, yeah, you have the Active Erie Transportation Plan, uh, which the city certainly, it's, you know, the city's plan, and we'll take a lead in identifying resources. And they've already made great strides in identifying resources to help implement that plan. It's expensive. It uh, is. $15 it, million. Yeah, anytime you're talking about those different pieces of infrastructure, um, it, it's it's very pricey, but um, you know having these plans that you know that were and should have been informed by public input, um, and then implementing those plans is what it's all about. So identifying the resources. So um, you know I think you know what the mayor has has taken the stance that they're going to do a little more work in making sure that um, you know what they're implementing is is what the residents actually want and need, um, and going from there. But but that's the way you have to go about it. Uh, you also are talking about capacity when it comes to infrastructure, and one of the key initial investments is expand the capacity of the city planning office. Unfortunately, we thought we had a yeah. planner, and we don't now. Um, and this has been, you know, in the last two years, I would think one of the greatest complaints that I get here on the radio show is um, how are we letting – like, we're not doing enough on blight how are we letting it go? And, it, and I keep on hearing it's it's a capacity issue yeah. with the planning department, with code enforcement. And so is that where, where this is focused on or is that is it more in general? Because there's blight in all of our boroughs. There's blight in all of our townships, too. You sure. Know? So it's so and you'll see capacity building in a number of different areas okay. throughout the investment playbook. So the city planning office is one of those or excuse me, um, city planning. Uh, Erie County Redevelopment Authority, so you are impacting the entire county in that regard, the neighborhood organizations. So these are all entities or or municipal entities even that only have but so much bandwidth, right, to be able to, to do the work that needs to be done. And blight elimination is a massive and incredibly expensive undertaking. So if you have, you know, a city planner or a city planning department that's working to try and help these communities and, um, you know, various um neighborhoods create even their their strategic plans that's a lot of work in and of itself so you have to have the you know the the working capital the human capital to do that work and then you have you know you see the capacity you have 
the, the neighborhood organizations, the city redevelopment authority and others will say, it's great if we're able to bring in tens and hundreds of millions of dollars to, to do home repairs, to do blight elimination and remediation. They don't have the people to actually physically do the work, the contractors. So, oh so that's gosh. why you see that one of the one of the components of the playbook is to boost the capacity, uh, specifically toward minorities, but boost the capacity of construction workers and contractors. Um, you know, I think the city's redevelopment authority has a they have the resources, the financial wherewithal to do home repairs, but they have hundreds of homes on a wait list for those home repairs. Um, so that's why we're working. We have a delivery team that actually came out of some of these conversations around what does what what does a potential solution to that challenge look like? And again, it's groups of practitioners. It's um, it's the neighborhood organizations. It's the redevelopment authorities. It's the community college and the chamber and others in the trades coming together to say what could be a potential solution to this and really coalescing around this idea of a of a workforce training facility um, that perhaps could be could be a project that helps alleviate some of these challenges and some of the capacity the, gaps. The, so, the workforce that tra- yeah, absolutely. absolutely yeah and tying so, in broadband with so that as well yeah. we know that from a from a broadband installation infrastructure mm-hmm. uh, workforce standpoint that we're going to need significant skilled workers in that regard as well so all right I've got about 10 minutes left with yeah. Kim Thomas let's let's do about Two minutes for each of these okay. place-based uh, uh, investments here. And I'm loving this. this. We're talking about downtown commercial and residential development launching a new EDDC fund, another $200 million. And so is this a fund that would – I mean, the, the original fund was all private money. Mm-hmm. Would this be a fund that would be able to tap into some of these federal and state capital st- uh venues. Yeah, so I think it's all to be determined at this point okay. as they wait to bring on uh, a new CEO in the unfortunate loss of uh, John Persinger oh, yeah. uh, moving out of the uh, community. But um, yeah, so I think that there is going to be opportunity to align the EDDC's fundraising efforts with Infinite Erie. Um, so I think that's what you will see uh, happening along the way. But as an organization and entity moving forward, you know, they're certainly focused on on what their next steps sure. are. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to see this. Uh, I love the complete streets, but also the social services and exploratory project to expand the continuum of care for those experiencing homelessness. Yeah. And and there's a situation that we're having here, not only downtown, but literally throughout the city is that a more apparent and more aggressive panhandling, more apparent lack of, uh, of homes. And I think the, the issue is, uh, as, I, as I'm hearing it, is that it only would take a couple dozen uh, aggressive, maybe um, uh, criminal types of behaviors, and it could wreck, it could wreck your whole plan, you know. And sure. so, you know, being able to provide services would be key here, I would think. Yeah, so I would say that this is a great uh, example of how the investment playbook in Infinite Erie is working from a process standpoint. So this was identified as exploratory in nature in the playbook, and now we have a delivery team around permanent supportive housing, trying wow. to identify that as a solution. Uh, it is funded by the Erie Community Foundation, AHN, and UPMC Health Plan. So you have all of the partners working together. You have the continuum of care, the home team, Erie County, mm-hmm. and the home team at the table. So again, you've brought all of these practitioners to the table to say, here is our challenge. How can we help overcome this challenge? And doing it together in what may be for the first time 
ever wow. having that conversation and aggressively moving forward uh, a project, a projects out of that conversation uh, that we have no doubt it's happening and we're going to see results coming from from those project discussions probably in the coming months. So, anecdotally, are you hearing that Erie is not as affordable as it you know as our brand would hmm. proclaim? I'm not hearing that. So we're still affordable. Uh, I yeah. think in terms, you know, if you were comparing us to, to uh, let's say, northern New Jersey. But the issue is, is that, you know, if you if you're if your household income is uh, an average Erie household income um, you, or if you're in the pot, you know, if you're in the poverty uh, quadrant or mm-hmm. what have you, I mean, rent is still eight fifty nine hundred a month. Yeah. You know, I mean, and if you don't I mean, it's it's expensive, you know, and if you don't qualify for a mortgage, it, it could be really challenging to to stay in your home. Yeah, and I would say just quickly on that, yeah. there is an effort underway um, to to create more affordable housing around That's a community amazing. land trust. So there are a uh, number of efforts really in that comprehensive manner to say, how do we ensure that, how do we build that equity? How do we build that wealth amongst all of our residents um, and, and making it sh- an option for them to have affordable housing? Beautiful. Let's go to the waterfront. Mm-hmm. Reimagine Erie's relationship with the waterfront. And we're talking about residential recreational development and, you know, Bayfront Place and Harbor Place, you know, the, the, the two big pillars there along the along the water. The the Bayfront Parkway Central Corridor project, that's uh, that's certainly PennDOT's uh, Ballywick mm-hmm. and uh, investing in new and revised stormwater systems. So, again, remember that or we have to remember that you guys were able to collate all of the projects and bring them all under one binder, if you will. Correct, right. right. To say that these, from a from a cross-sector perspective, are the priorities that mm-hmm. this community feels will move Erie forward. Um, so, so, yeah, so there's a lot happening there. You have Harbor Place and Bayfront Place, and, you know, we'll, we have not, I will say, sort of really dove as far into the Bayfront piece because they have significant, you know, success down there currently, well, right? Yeah, that, I mean, they've got their plans going with, with the corridor and uh, right. and with the stormwater. But, but certainly uh, helping, you know, whether it's the county, uh, Erie County Convention Center Authority mm-hmm. or Scott Enterprises or uh, PennDOT, again, helping to identify, you know, maybe at the federal level, some additional resources to bring that central corridor project to uh, full implementation, right? Four hundred and thirty-nine million dollars. Yeah. Oh, overall. Overall, yes, all, absolutely. All, all of these. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And I believe also, I think the Erie Coke plant property right. is on yes. there. That's that's going to bring two, the big that's price the big tag. Two hundred million dollars. Right. Uh, going to Twelfth Street mm-hmm. uh, again. Twelfth Street was uh, pointed out on the Buki plan. Uh, you know, we're seeing some stuff, but industrial reclamation to. Uh, it, this is talking about the EMI site and also uh, three to five other properties for new uses. We do need more commercial and, and light industrial along 12th. No doubt. We need it, period. Yeah. Set aside <laughs> along 12th. Yeah. I mean, we need those those spaces uh, in general. Uh, and the work that you're seeing there that's happening with EMI, that should just be the catalyst, the work that the Erie County Redevelopment Authority mm-hmm. is doing. That should be the catalyst for the continued uh revitalization of that entire corridor so you you figure you know the price tag on the acquisition and the the remediation of just that one site alone and the time that it takes um but then you figure if if you know there's acquisition of you know maybe two to three additional properties along that corridor and we see similar type work if you have the private sector come in as well and and invest in that corridor uh it's gonna it could be a brand new modern industrial 
corridor uh, to and, really. And it's needed. Yeah, oh, absolutely so needed. it is. Uh, going to place-based neighborhoods, uh, investment-ready is commercial corridors like, uh, you know, we're talking about Eastside Renaissance. We're talking about ECAT, Savacchio Park. Uh, also, new housing, including hands, affordable housing, and also uh, the redevelopment authority of the city of Erie comprehensive housing plan for reducing blight, and uh, then also maybe boosting home ownership mm-hmm. and parks and uh, and you know anchor properties and things. There's a, there's there's a, lot, a lot of hopes and dreams here. You know? there, there really are. And I'd say yeah. there's a lot of great work that's happening in, in that bucket, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, again, around boosting home ownership rates, um, you know, with the, the work that the Community Land Trust is doing around affordable housing, um, you know, the, the work that's going to be happening along what I'm calling that Buffalo Road corridor between the opportunities with Savacchio Park, uh, Roger Young Park, which we uh, know uh, has, has received some funding, and um, the Burton School Revitalization. Uh, ECAT, it's you know it's getting ready to to launch its sort of second phase of work that that it aims to do out on the on Erie's east side. There's a lot happening in that space, but I think with the shared goals of increasing affordable housing opportunities, increasing home ownership rates, uh, increasing access for everyone to the recreational spaces. So there's a lot of good work that's coming out of that bucket. I would say this plan and in, in Infinite Erie in general has not been without controversy. Sure. Now, the uh, the county executive is elected to no longer participate in the action team. Do you care to comment on that? Sure. Uh, so, yeah, so from really as this was rolling out last July, uh, working with Bruce Katz and the cross-sector leadership at the table that was leading this effort, uh, the county executive was there. He was there on the day of the rollout. Uh, he was present at, at, present at our Erie Action Team meetings uh, for quite some time. He was also represented by Doug Smith for quite some time at those meetings and really brought uh, an incredible level of leadership to the conversation that we were having. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, the county executive doesn't uh, necessarily um, feel that this is maybe the, the best utilization of his time at this point. However, that being said, there are certainly still um, priority projects of the county executive, of the county administration that align with the investment playbook uh, that we have been told that the county will still align with leadership in these regards. So, and that's what matters, right? So mm-hmm. I've, I've said I've said it before, I'll say it again, he is always welcome at the table. Uh, I personally understand and realize uh, the level of leadership that this is going to take. We have to be unified. It's, you're talking about, it's no joke, these are ambitious goals. Yeah. Uh, and in order to be successful in achieving those goals, it's going to take that unified community. Um, so if, if we're working together on projects outside of the scope of, you know, infinite eerie, quote unquote, whatever it takes to get the projects done is, is, is what I'm looking for. And that's a great segue to my final question. Okay. And is that what I've noticed in the in, is uh, a creeping back of silos I mean, we have this kind of this terrible history in this town of of, of working alone, of authorities kind of uh, taking over their responsibilities and not wanting to be open enough. That's got to be hard work for you guys every day to keep the silos down and have this collaborative effort. What, how do you approach that? It is hard work, but it's important work. It has to be done. And we're, we're doing it at the delivery team level. We're doing it at the action team level, just ensuring that everybody is coordinating its efforts. There are shared goals. They're aligned. They're, they're working toward the same things. Um, so, so let's identify ways that they can work together and identify projects that, um, that they can bring out collectively. 
Um, you know, from an investment standpoint, investors have their own priority areas of investing. But if, if they have commonalities and these shared goals and this common agenda, really looking to implement this collective impact model and framework, um, then that's how we'll be successful. Um, so that way there's not a few dollars going over yeah. here, a few dollars getting beyond that scarcity mentality, right? Um, that is exactly what we have to do. But it's it's critical work, and that's that's one of the things that makes Infinite Erie and this investment playbook different. We wish you success. Thank Kim you. Thomas. I appreciate you guys. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>